Uh, I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of a testimony service. A testimony service. Um, testimony service is part of the DNA, if you will, of Bible-believing churches. If you're not familiar with what that talks about, what that is, and uh, maybe your church background is not very extensive, as mine was non-existent when I got saved, um, or maybe it's, you come from a group of people who didn't have testimony services at times. Testimony service simply is asking people to maybe say what the Lord's done for them or something they appreciate about the Lord. We've done different things here. We don't, we've never taken a whole service to it, but during part of a service we have. And it's usually a very blessed time. We enjoyable. Some things are encouraging. Sometimes things that uh, convict. Sometimes things are a little humorous. But they're part of it. Um, a testimony service. A testimony is just speaking what the Lord's done, what He's done in our life, what we appreciate Him. And um, testimony is like every part of the Lord's work. It's supposed to be done decently and in order. We come, uh, we come very prepared, and we come hunting God. We come hunting God is the best way I can say it. Um, God's not honored by slipshod preparation. Neither is He honored by formal, uh, rigid formalism. And so we come prepared and come seeking the Lord, seeing what He wants to do. Always try to be yielded to Him in it. But I'll tell you, testimony service is a blessing, could be, and is usually. But sometimes it takes a little bit of loving but firm leadership on behalf of the pastor. <laughs> I'm thinking about through things after I first got saved, first found out about these. Some people seem to think it's testimony service is time for them to take center stage. You know, they get to say something. <laughs> Some of you have been in them. I won't ask you. And if it's somebody in the room, dead sure don't point them out. Have you ever been in there where somebody started giving a testimony and that person stands up? It's like, oh no. You know, Stacey, I mean, it's, oh no. Why? Because you just had 20, 20 minutes. The only advantage is you know that Bob Evans is going to be empty by the time you get there. Okay? So there's a blessing with that, I guess. They may be closed if you do it in the evening. They, uh, sometimes uh, sometimes uh, personal. Talk about what their latest spiritual triumph is, you know, and or the, the general gross decay of society. I put that down. That's that's always popular. They, heaven forbid, they started on a list of pains and woes in their own life. Amen. But we're assured, even after this happens, that it's none of it's to glorify them. It's just to glorify the Lord because they always tell us that, you know. And it can get away from you in a, in, in a hurry. I unfortunately saw a church split started in a testimony service. I, I hope it wasn't for me. I was a guest speaker. And I didn't think it was caused by anything I did, but it was uh, their fellow, they took testimony, and one fellow stood up and took a testimony service, which should be a time to honor the Lord and, and say something good about what God's done and thankfulness, gratitude. It's a really sweet time. Uh, but he took it to say, well, I'm you know, glad some people want to do God's work. And they started talking about all those who didn't want to do God's work. And they started talking about people in that church who didn't want to do God's work. And they started talking about why the pastor wasn't doing God's work the right way. And before it was over, it ended up as a full-out church split. And I thought, well, okay. That's a testimony service I'd never want to be part of again with that. And I wasn't in charge of it. I wasn't running. I just said, whoa, and stopped that thing a long while back. Well, the funniest things I ever saw happen was a fellow named Joe, who we loved dearly. He was a mentally handicapped adult man. We loved the fire out. I used to pick him up and bring him in church when I was a teenager after I got saved. And I was 15. When I got 16, I had already bought my first car, and I... And I would drag all kinds of people with me to church. He, we'd pick up Joe. Sometimes he'd get for, left behind in a Rose Park trailer uh, trailer park up at the north end of Camden, Ohio. That's where he lived. And uh, 
I get Joe, and we had testimony service. Well, you never knew when Joe started talking what might happen. Tall, lanky sort of fellow. Really neat guy. Loved the Lord. And they had a place over there in western Ohio called Turtle Creek. And it was the kind of place where they tried to sell you lots for property. Yeah. Turtle Creek come out, and they'd offer you, you know, get a free camera just for taking, you know, sort of like a timeshare deal, right? Which is one of the worst things in the world anybody ever gets involved in. But it's like a timeshare deal. And, uh, and so... One Sunday, they were taking testimony, and Joe raises his hand. And uh, our pastor called on him. and He just called our pastor, Jeff Nichols. You all have met him. The man who led me to Christ, and who's called. Uh, my wife was baptized under him. We, I was called to preach under his ministry. He, uh, uh, all, all uh, Joe would call him was Nichols. That was just it. It was his way, Nichols. And he stood up, and he said, Nichols, I'm going to tell you something. He says, I, w- I went out to Turtle Creek, the name of the place. They took me out there. And I, everybody's like, oh, no, what's Joe going to say? And he, he went on for a while about the camera. They gave him how it didn't work the next day. And all this, I mean, this is, you know. And he said this. He goes, I'm going to tell you something that upset me, Nichols. And uh, my pastor tried not to lose it. I mean, and uh, he said, what's that, Joe? He said, all that time, and I never saw one turtle. <laughs> yeah, we got something better than turtles for you. The uh, interesting things, but the word testimony and testimony service I'm talking to you about this morning is Bible word. The word testimony or testimonies is found 109 times in the Bible. That's a lot. The Lord mentioned something that many times. It's interesting. I started looking through there and seeing the way that uh, the Lord mentioned it. And my mind was actually going a different direction when I thought about the same with testimony service. And I started looking at that word and I thought, man, this is, this is really good stuff. And in order, and you start looking and when it shows up, here's the things that show up. You have the tables of testimony. Say, so, hey, well, preacher, what's that? Those are, those are what we call Ten Commandments. Those are the tables or the, the, the stones on which the commandments were written. You remember the original commandments that were written by the finger of God. Moses threw those down and broke them when he came down off the mountain and found the people in a wild, uh, idolatrous uh, dancing situation and just, just a horrible thing they were doing. And then he, I mean, when he received them again, he, he got to uh, carve those out. And those tablets were preserved. They're called the table testimony. Now, testimony is you telling something for what you know or what you've experienced or what you've understood. That's a testimony. And God has given us a strong testimony of who He is. He hasn't left us to wonder. Uh, he's not out there somewhere where we can't find him. And one of it was the tables of testimony. Very, very strong statement that God said of who he is and his relationship with man and what man's relationship needs to be with him. I mean, if you've heard the common statement, uh, it's not written in stone or that's written in stone. That's, that goes back to this. This goes back to the fact that the commandments being given and they were written in stone. These are not alterable. By the way, they're not alterable. doesn't matter. Uh, we, we look and we see so much going on in our country and I thank God that, the, uh, that some things are going on that make me believe that God's hand, He's still wanting to hear His people if His people will call out to Him. Take your cue of what you should do and how you should behave from the Scripture, not from whatever the common... Uh, pushes and and media and social media and all that nonsense. You stay stable by the Word of God. You fix your purpose according to what God has said. And all this other stuff comes and goes and comes and goes. But let me tell you something. God's laws, His testimony, it doesn't change. Here's what God said. People say, well, we're redefining. You're not redefining anything. 
God made it. And God designed it. And it is the way He says. And so what happens is these things are tables of testimony. Thank God there's something solid. But it's pretty amazing. The second thing you run to is the Ark of the Testimony. The Ark of the Testimony, all the all, all, all an Ark, I can't say all an Ark, that's our thing. All of an, what an Ark is, <coughs> my, my tongue's arky. Um, what an Ark is, is a vessel for containing something. Of course, you have the Ark that Noah built by the design that God gave him. That was a massive, massive ship. And he had that. You have the Ark, sometimes called the Ark of the Covenant. The Covenant were these tables of testimony. What God put in there. what He had those stored in there. And you had this piece of furniture, if you will, and a wooden with, overlaid with gold and such. And you had the Ark of the Testimony. Well, the, wait a minute, that testimony that's written in stone that doesn't change? Do you know that testimony never liberated any soul? I'm not saying it's bad. The Bible says it was holy, just, and good. But it never liberated any soul. Here's the reason why. Because what it does is it points out the holiness of God and what's expected out of man, and we fail at it. There's a dear lady I was talking to about the condition of her soul over here on the, uh, on the east side one day, uh, up near St. Mary's Church up in that area, and I was talking to her, and she was gracious just to talk to me, didn't know me, we were talking. And I asked her about her her hope for heaven, that what she was trusting in so that she would know that for eternity she, she'd be with Christ. And her answer to me was, she said, I'm keeping the Ten Commandments. That was her answer. And I said to her, I said, will you please name them for me? She could not. And I wasn't disrespectful. I said, ma'am, I said, you're in a world of hurt. You just said that you're basing your hope of eternity on commandments you don't even know what they all are. Do you know what would be even more revealing to her? As if she stopped and looked at them carefully and realized there have been times when she's broken them. And so, if we claim keeping of the law as our righteousness, then if we ever don't keep all of it completely, it condemns us. Because we said that's our righteousness and we didn't keep it. I think it's... Wonderful that God didn't leave us in that hopeless condition. I'm glad Jesus Christ came as the fulfillment of the law. And He lived holy and yet died as if He had been the worst criminal. Why? Because He took our place. It's His righteousness we need, not the righteousness of the law. Thank God for it. That's what grace is. Grace is understood by people who know they're sinners. Not by people who think God's getting a good deal by getting them. Which is the cheap stuff that's being sold today in the, in the name of grace. No repentance, no idea that you need the Lord. But God, when you know what you were and you know what you deserved and you realize who He is and you realize how good He's been, when you realize how often you've messed up and you realize He still loves you, that He's still pure, that He's still holy, and He wants you to be with Him, that's an amazing thing. Thank God for that kind of grace. The Ark of the Testimony, what was it? You say, well, what's special about that Ark? Well, what's on top of it? Because see, in there are the law is the law which condemns us because of our behavior. And over it was something called the mercy seat that was over the law. If you were going to look down, you would see the mercy seat. And by the way, one time a year, the blood of the atonement was put on that. And the blood was on the mercy seat, which was over the ark, and that's what covers the transgression of mankind. The ark of the testimony, what does it tell us? 
It tells us that God's merciful. It tells us that God's mercy is so strong that even the breaking of the law, that God has the ability to forgive that and to make us right and make us clean and make us whole. Thank God for it. So it's quite testimony service. That's better than hearing about somebody's aches and pains during the thing, isn't it? Then there's the veil of the testimony. That's interesting. It shows up one time. And what was that? That was that curtain. It was between what the Bible calls the most holy place. There's a term that's used. It's not an evil term. The holy of holies. It's, it's a commonly used term. It's not scriptural. I'm not saying it's against the Bible. But it's not in the Bible. The term that's used in the Bible is the most holy place. You have the holy place and you have the most holy place. Why was it the most holy place? Because that's where the ark was. And that's where the, 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 the Christ, uh, the God would meet with him on the day of atonement. And the only person who could go in there to minister was the high priest. And that only on the day of atonement. And when he went in there, it was a very sacred thing in the, the, the outer part, which is the holy place, and the most holy place were separated by this very thick, very, very valuable veil or, or large curtain that's like these walls are collapsible. If you were here during Sunday school hour, those were Sunday school classes and they opened up for the morning service. That had this veil between the holy place and the most holy place. And when Jesus Christ was crucified, that veil, that heavy, heavy veil, tore in half from the top to the bottom. Why is it the veil of testimony? Because what it did was it showed that until Christ came, that there were human mediators. Not that they could forgive sin, but they were acting in accordance with what God commanded. And these priests would go in, and this high priest had to go in for the people and for himself to make atonement for sin once a year, and then come back out and say, basically, the word, the phrase was, it is finished. He would come out and make the statement that this had been accomplished. God had accepted it. And he would have to do that every year. Why? Because the blood of bulls and goats can't take away sin. Because what he was doing wasn't permanent. It wasn't forever. He had to do it, and he had to do it, and he had to do it. And that high priest died, and another one had to take his place, and he had to do it. But thank God, on Calvary... One time, once for all, that's Bible, the blood of the perfect Lamb of God was shed, what can actually atone us. Jesus, as our high priest, entered into the holy place on our behalf. In that veil of testimony, it was torn in half because now our access to God does not require a human mediator. There's one mediator between God and man. That's man Christ Jesus. Thank God for that. I go directly to Him. I have boldness to enter into the holiness. Not arrogance. Arrogance is sinful and wicked in God's eyes, but boldness. That confidence born out of the promise of God. I can enter in. And by the way, the Bible says He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Thank God for that today. That's quite a testimony service. The Bible's got a lot in it, I promise you. Then you have the testimony of God's mouth. I'll read that to you and then we're going to be going to the Scripture I showed you in just a moment. But Psalm 119, uh, look, uh, let me read to you verse 88 just very quickly. You have the testimony of God's mouth. Listen to this. It says, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. What does that mean? That He's given a testimony. The Word of God, it doesn't change. It's settled. It's perfect. It's flawless. God's given it and God has preserved it and God has it. And by the way, we can depend upon it. It's the only thing like that. It's an amazing, amazing thing. <laughs> Kept looking at the testimony and then we got in the New Testament and this is interesting. So as you come in the New Testament, you find there's testimony unto. That's the phrase that's used. 
This will be a testimony unto them. Jesus would say that. Go and show thyself to the priest as a testimony unto them. He would, he would use that phrasing. Then, He would also use this phrasing, testimony against. He said, these things shall rise a testimony against them. So you had testimony unto them, and you had a testimony against them. It's pretty amazing. He said, uh, he said, I want you to show them so that they'll know that I'm working. But he says, these works are being done, and they're rejecting them, and these works are going to speak against them. Do you realize the very same works that God does, the very same word that God gave, for some people is a testimony unto, they receive it. For some people, it's going to be a testimony, a testimony against because they did hear it and they rejected it. Um, a lot of thoughts going through my mind that I'll be better served. Let's look at 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Let me just go straight to that. Thoughts, illustrations. I've seen of people doing this one-on-one and preaching in people's lives and where it goes. Same word. Same word. Every time one of you teachers from here, every time you speak and teach the Word of God to people, there are those who receive and those reject, and some may be like the third group, that, like the people at Mars Hill that heard uh, uh, Paul preach there in Athens, and they said, well, here they again of this matter. Some people are just undecided. But yet, uh, we never know, do we? It's, it's, it's uh, very, very important what we do when we are giving the Word of God to somebody, whether it be in a teaching situation or a one-on-one. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, talking about the testimony for and the testimony against. Look in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. It says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Now that's enough to make a tired Baptist grin right there. And maketh manifest, look at the word, the savor. It's not savior, it's savor. It's a, it, it can be a taste, but here it's a smell. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like, <laughs> my, my wife's a very good cook, and uh, sometimes I'll walk in the house, and that's just, you start drooling when you hit that door, you know. If she's running the exhaust fan in the, off the stove there, and it actually goes out to her garage, man, sometimes I'll make it through the garage before I expel. You know, she's been running something while she's gone. No wonder my dogs, you know, they're out there smelling that and driving them a little crazy. But it says he, he, the savor there with that. It says, thanks be to God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest, makes it open, the savor of His knowledge by us in every place. Now he said, we're, we're letting people, we're encouraging people to taste and see that the Lord's good. My wife will make bread or something sometimes. And if the boys are over and the grandkids are over, uh, they'll be over and she'll say, smell that? The grandkids will come in. Nemo, what are you cooking? And uh, boy, they can smell it. And uh, we're going to do that. That's a savor. That's what he's talking about here. In other words, their ministry was putting Christ out there and trying to, trying to tell people about him, trying to give a good testimony about it. But look what happens with it. It says, uh, the savor was knowledge by us in every place. End of verse 14, look at verse 15. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. What's that about? To the one we are the savor of death unto death. And to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? He said, some hear and reject. And so... 
our message is a message that comes becomes a message of judgment to them. That's the favorite thing nowadays, isn't it? I go, they're just going to judge me. I, I've gone to tell people, I'm not judging you, I'm warning you based on the Word of God. Right. If you don't be goofy enough to hide behind that, you're going to damage yourself. You can't, who are you to judge me? And they'll say that after you quote Scripture to them. I'm judging you. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. I'm glad somebody cared enough about me someday to warn me that as a self-righteous, little arrogant, 15-year-old punk, I need to get right with God. My mom wouldn't agree with that punk part, but she's, she's partial to me. What is it? He said, now, I'm preaching. You know, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. Um, I, I know any time I preach, I may, hear, I may be preaching the last gospel message somebody gets to hear before they die lost and go to hell. That's serious. I may be the last person who gets to bring the gospel to them along the highway or what. You know, I'll be honest with you exactly what happened with this fellow I mentioned over here in, 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 on uh, the corner of 22 in Delmont there. I, I made sure he was okay and everything. I wanted to make sure he wasn't sick or something going on. And I started to drive away. I hate to admit that to you, I did. And I did. Man, I got so convicted. I have, Because of the way the traffic was doing, I had to pull up the parking lot. And I, I went right, turned around, came right back. He looked up. He sat back up and looked up at me. I said, I'm so sorry, so I'm going to talk to you and give you something here. I just about drove away like they, like they clamped on me. Talk to him. Why do you think I put him in your path? How do you know that young man, he's probably in his 20s or so, I'd say late 20s, how do you know he's going to have another chance? Get a gospel witness to him. Get something in his hand. Get talk to him a minute. Why? You savor of life and life, death and death. You don't know. Some reject. Some receive. Who's sufficient? We aren't. God is. Verse 17, for we are not as many that corrupt the Word of God. We don't change it for the audience or to be popular. But as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. And what is a testimony against and testimony for? Which is the Word of God going to be in your life? A testimony for or a testimony against? I heard it, but I rejected it. Or I heard it and I believed it. The Bible says if we hear and reject, we actually call God the liar because we don't believe the testimony He gave of His Son. It's serious business. And then there's the testimony of Christ. I want to read that one to you. 1 Corinthians 1. Look at it very quickly there, if you will, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I just want to make sure I get this to you this morning because this is the main body of what I was to give to you. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 1. You have the testimony of Christ Himself. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord, uh, name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by Him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind to no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, 
that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. What's the testimony of Christ? That He saves those who come to Him by faith. What's the testimony of Christ? That we're sanctified unto Him, separated unto Him, that we become His people. There's the testimony of God. It says in the Scripture, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. What's the testimony of God? Testimony of who He is. Testimony of what is His nature. The testimony how He has revealed Himself. The testimony what He requires of man regarding both salvation and for living the life of God in our flesh. What is it? The testimony came not ourselves, but talking about God's testimony and revealing Himself to us. God's revealed Himself to us. Think about that. No man has seen God at any time. Scripture talks about this. In the Spirit form, as the Father, no man's seen Him. And He said, why? But God's revealed Himself to us. I love what Jesus said to Philip. And Philip said, uh, He said, show us the Father and it suffices us. He was trying to figure things out, wasn't He? And Jesus looks at Him and said, Philip, hast thou been so long time without me, Philip? And hast thou not known me? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The Bible says that the Godhead... Was, was shown or manifest in Him bodily in Jesus Christ. He showed who He is. He's revealing Himself with us. It's testimony service. you got testimony of the, of, of, of the tablets of God given, the testimony of the ark in which they were put, the mercy seat that covered, the blood on top of that. You have the testimony of the veil of the tabernacle. You have the testimony of the tabernacle itself, which is pretty interesting. Because in Revelation, that tabernacle, we find out there's a real one. What is that? That's where man can fellowship with God. Thank God for that. <laughs> I wrote this down. Time would fail me to speak of the testimony that led others to believe and be secure in the day of the coming of Christ. That's 2 Thessalonians 1.10. Or how about Enoch's testimony before his translation that he pleased God? That's in Hebrews chapter 11. We can't take time to expound the fact that the book of Revelation states that John bear record of the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. I don't think we could have the hearing ears long enough to endure considering the exile and punishment that John the Beloved faced for his testimony of Jesus Christ in Revelation 1.9. That's why he said he was put on the aisle. Patmos was because he had the testimony of Christ and he kept testifying about Christ and he wouldn't quit even when it cost him dearly. Or how about when we see in the Bible the souls under the altar in heaven that have been slain for the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ which they held. You and I have brothers and sisters in Christ this very day around our world that are being executed for what they believe. In this pampered, sheltered nation in which we live. But if you have friends on the different continents as I do, if you have people that you know personally who are ministering and in these different places are being executed, there are groups within the Hindu religion who need the gospel dearly, but they're part of the Hindu religion is more aggressive even than the Muslims for killing Christian people. They will kill you for preaching the gospel. And sometimes Americans sit back, oh, I don't think it's that bad. This <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you could have been with me at a preacher's conference, I was talking to a man, all of a sudden he got a message on his phone and he started weeping. I said, what? He goes, it's one of our national pastors and it's a picture of a man laying there dead. They had just broken in and gunned him down with their AK-47s for preaching the gospel as he was preaching in an Islamic nation. That wasn't somebody heard about that. It happened real time and it's happening real time. 
You understand that. What did this world do to Jesus Christ? And it wasn't because He was being offensive and ridiculous and crazy. And I know some people who name the name of Christ, it makes you always embarrassed. Embarrassed for them, certainly not embarrassed for Jesus. But listen to me. If they so treated our Lord, why should we expect that there are not those who would treat us the same way? Don't you know even within our nation there are people if they had the power, they would shut down this assembly and destroy everything about it if they could. You say, well, what's our defense against it? Well, it's always been obey God and get the gospel out. Because I'll promise you this, in that same neighborhood where that man was gunned down that day, a church got established. People were converting. Those people were, who accepted Christ were going out at the risk of their own lives to tell others what they had just learned. That's the way people are reached. And so... The testimony of those who've done this. How about this? How about if we could fully understand Revelation 12, 11, which talks how the accuser of our brethren, which is the devil, is overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. In Revelation chapter 15, we see the temple of test or the tabernacle of testimonies opened in heaven. It says, Here's what I am. Here's who I am. Over and over again. Testimony of God's complete. It's fulfillment and it's fullness. The, the testimony of God's comprehensive. It covers all. And the testimony of God is credible. All parts and conclusions are true. I love this out of Psalm 119. It says, Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. Amen. You say, what's the Bible right about? Everything that it talks about. It can be trusted completely. And that's the testimony of God. Now here's a question. With our God having a testimony like that, and with us being redeemed by Him and being His people, what type of testimony ought we to have? Not just the words of our mouth. Anybody can get up and brag about themselves. The Bible says that uh, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. That's in Proverbs. But what's our testimony like? What's your testimony like where you shop? What's your testimony like on the job? What's your testimony like around parts of town where you don't realize it, but people see you regularly and they know you? They may not know your name, but they know you. And then let me ask you the one that's searching. What's your testimony like among those you love the best? Your family, children, your spouse, grandchildren. I heard a preacher one time make a good statement. He said, if you don't have a testimony among your family, you don't have a testimony. What's our testimony like? What's yours like? What would you like it to be like? Would you like it to be like Christ? Would you like it to honor Him? As a child of God, you can. Through the power of God, His indwelling Holy Spirit, and through learning the Word of God, you can have the right kind of testimony. No matter what you've done, how you've blown it, you can start doing right. I've advised some of y'all before, especially around like holiday times, and you may have relatives who poke at you and say, oh, I know what you were and all that. Yeah, and some people have that. Some of you have that in your lives. Best thing you do, don't try to defend yourself. <laughs> don't try to argue. You just look that loved one that I hope you're concerned for and say, you're right. That's what it was. That's right. I messed it up. Let me tell you how good God is and how patient he is with me. There's something about that approach. I'm telling you, it's scriptural and it's right. I want to have a good testimony for the Lord. I walk in, I've been in town here 29 years. 
Hi, Pastor. People know me in town. I'm not famous. I just I talk to people and I'm out a lot. I don't want to ever go in and dishonor God. It's important. Why? Because God's important. Let me pray with you. You've been very patient. Father, thank you for the good attention of your people to your word. Thank you for the good patience of listening. Lord, I pray you'll drive home the truths of this message from the Scripture. God, give us, please, an understanding of your word in a deep way in our hearts that we would have a testimony that matches you. Help us, Lord, please, to do that. Father, have I spoken in the ears of anyone this morning who doesn't know you as their Savior? Dear God, you sure were gracious to me. I remember the conviction you sent. I'm grateful for it even to this day. Lord, I pray that you do the same and do a work in their heart. May they turn to you and just in simplicity accept you for who you are. Accept the love that you have. Accept the cleansing that you can give. And Lord, I pray you'll help us to have the right kind of testimony. God, I think about people I've had to go back and apologize to because I've been harsh. Or I've said something out of the way. Lord, in my family, to my boys, my wife, they have to say I'm sorry. I'm glad you allow us to be able to do that. Lord, I pray you'll help us to live in a way that shows you through our living, please. Bless this invitation. May people do serious soul searching and do, do business with you, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please, with our heads bowed. But just take a moment. A, a test, a, a invitation time is not a tack on here. It's an opportunity for you to respond to the Word of God which has been preached. Is Christ your Savior? I didn't ask you the theoretical. Do you believe that He is the Savior? Is He your Savior? If not, or number of people here in the room take a Bible and lovingly open it and show you. Someone one good day showed me that Christ can save you. That He's the answer. You don't know that, that Christ is your Savior. Well, we have an invitation. Would you please get someone's attention? Mine or someone else's. And don't be satisfied to leave here without the Lord. Maybe today you just say, Lord, there's something specific in my testimony. I just want it to be right, regardless of what anybody else may say or what they do, what someone may make up or what someone may say about. You want your testimony to be right. Would you seek the Lord on this? I have a song invitation. You need to come this morning. Something I'm bring before the Lord. Why don't you come ahead, please?
Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, 